Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is TJ2, the deuce. Are you at work? Oh crap, I spilled it all over me. Damn, damn it. I guess, I'm going to guess not. Ah, hold on. We are <laughs> off to a great start. Okay. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have planned that better. Yeah, I'm off to a great start. I spilled beer all over my damn shirt. I mean, it's going to happen. But but what kind of beer? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Empty now. Uh, Kugel Toasted Bock. Ooh, Kugels. I haven't had yeah, that one, but, they're, beer. but their, their product is, is a good one. Um, yes, I'm trying, the, the, I'm trying out the new Kugel Shirt Beer. Yes. You know, if you suck it out of your shirt, that just makes you look it desperate, like right? starch and tide. I was gonna say with a twinge of it, ta- uh, it tastes like um it tastes like chest sweat and yes it tastes like uh, tide free and clear and chest sweat and degree yeah <laughs> all right speed stick by men and for me but whatever what works for you well I know what you're getting for Christmas this year a new shirt no <clears throat> speed stick by men nice. <laughs> by men and we have our storyteller finishing off this series, which is Mr. Will the Thrill. To that, I say greetings and salutations from Wham Hala. I was eliminated, as you all yeah, know. Oh, sorry. R.I.P. Uh, got it in a five guys in Duluth. Not how I expected to go. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. If you guys are playing, or if you guys are playing along, please uh, go to our Facebook page, which I will give out at the end of the show, and you can let us know if you survive or if you are now in the hallowed halls of Wampala. Uh, I know I've had a couple friends go. A few friends went last night because they were at the same party. So Oof, that's uh, rough. To so uh, rest well, Tim, William, Elizabeth, and Carrie. We will miss you. Tough. I, I had it. Are you still in? Remarkably, somehow. Yes, I'm still in. I figured out a strategy, which is to put my Raycons in very tightly and then 
turn awareness mode off and then just run through whatever store or area I am at, just going la 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 la. And that seems to work. You look like a complete freak running through Walmart going, so I fit in. Yeah, just like everyone else. I fit in. (laughs) I just want to point out that LD, you're probably around because I went to Five Guys for you. I did that for you. That's love. My sacrifice will not go unnoticed. That's totally love. Go on. You'll learn to love Andrew Ridgely again. Yeah. I believe right now, currently, the only person that has passed since our last episode is someone who I believe uh, my brother would like to speak on. So I'm going to pass it to him to let us know. Yeah, that would be the great Christine McVie, member of Fleetwood Mac. You know, kind of an overlooked member of Fleetwood Mac, if you can be overlooked and in one of the biggest bands that has ever existed. John Deacon, I feel like, falls in that same kind of category. People just forget that he was there. And that sucks. Sure, sure. But when you've got the the classic crazy drummer, Mick Fleetwood, and then you've got two big giant personalities and Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks and and a huge amount of drama, upfront public drama betwixt them, they get a lot of attention. And John and Christy McVeigh just just kind of just do the thing. They're just awesome and write awesome songs and sing and play masterfully. But if you think about it, Christy McVeigh, first of all, has a beautiful voice. Oh, she yeah. had an absolutely gorgeous voice. And it's actually her singing on a lot of their biggest hits. I mean, Don't Stop, Over My Head, You Make Love and Fun, Hold On to Me. She is vocally at the forefront of, of a lot of those. And I think a good keyboardist and wrote a lot of their songs too. So not someone who should be overlooked. Agreed. And yeah, yeah she does, sadly. Yeah. So So we certainly uh, want to acknowledge her passing. And I actually do have one more. And this is not something I ever thought I would be doing. And I hope I never do it again. And that's actually uh, using our (laughs) show opening necrology to mention somebody that I I knew personally, but I have to in this case, and that would be Peter Cooper. Peter, I think he actually started off as a school teacher and then became a journalist. He rose to being one uh, one of the greatest music writers in the country, uh, in, in my opinion, the greatest music writer in the country. And he had the ultimate music beat, that being he was the music writer for the Nashville Tennessean. There aren't many more prestigious music writing gigs than that. But then, you know, he started writing songs. He was a musician too. He wrote, started writing songs. And his songwriting is, was hailed by no less an authority on the matter than Chris Christopherson. <laughs> and John Prine cut one of his songs. He did. I think three solo albums and he did three with a guy named Eric Brace and then the two of them and another guy did some. He had moved on to to work at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, He was one of the directors and just he was was an awesome guy. He was from one county over from me in in South Carolina, Spartanburg and just he was a historian and just an awesome, a great guy and super talented in so many ways and it's just, that was just very shocking. He was only 52 years old. So, That's really sad. I'm sorry. I tried to post what you sent me on Facebook, and for some reason, it kept saying that we couldn't post it. So just know the effort was there, but for some reason, I couldn't do it. I think the problem was that I had it set to friends only and not public. I'll probably mention him again when we do our year-ending In Memoriam segment. I play one of the songs in, too. Yeah, and that's that's actually... We can talk about this now, which is our next two episodes. Our next two episodes will be 
our year-end wrap-up. So we will have our December slap nuts. And then after that, we will have our in memorandum. Now, in memoriam. In memoriam? In memoriam. In memoriam, yeah. Memoriam. Yes, um, yes. A, mem- a memorandum is a, le- a non-binding legal document of some kind. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that list is that too. So, I mean, like, I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, so what, what's going to happen is we will have to record it, of course, before the end of the year. So kind of in the case of people like, I think it was Prince and George Michael and Carrie Fisher, they all died like at the tail end of the years. And so, of course, we're probably going to miss some people. So don't write any angry letters if you listen to it on January 1st and realize there are people that are not on that list because we will have to record it ahead of time because that's the magic of podcasting. It's it's Hmm. not live. Have we ever gotten a literal angry letter? Like someone actually felt moved to put pen to paper and and, and send it via the U.S. mail, like with a stamp on it and stuff? Yes. No, no. We've got, we had an angry email. Ah, okay. But that's it. Anyway. And some jackasses who gave us bad reviews for no reason, but whatever. That's fine. Well, it's because of the giggling hillbillies. Not that I'm bitter about it. Yep. The giggling schoolgirl and giggling hillbillies and uh, whatever else. But yeah, we find out who they are. They're impacting our show. Yeah, seriously. Before we get started on this episode, do we need a trigger warning? Yeah, we do. Fortunately, this episode is coming out of, you know, the last episode, which after doing that one, I felt like we had to to come around and end on a little bit of a lighter note. There were a lot of very dark subjects in the last episode and it ended on one of the bleakest notes I've ever covered personally on this show. So there is a trigger warning. Yeah, there will be some talk of substance abuse. There will be some language warnings. I think that's going to be it, though, and and hopefully we'll you'll you'll see how this one goes. It'll be a quick one, but it will sort of again shine a light over Lane's legacy, which I think is needed. Yeah. Before we get started, we should throw it to our sponsor for the show, BetterHelp. So, Bear, why don't you take it away? I sure will. Yes, uh, we've covered a lot of topics on this show, and I think the message that comes through is help is there. You can reach out, and BetterHelp is a great source for that because everyone, no matter what they're going through, can use a little help. A lot of times we spend hours working on things that are important, and one of the things that gets neglected is our own mental well-being. I know because I was one of those people. I put it off way too long. I was working hard. I was exercising. I'm dieting. I felt like every part of my life is going the way it should, but it wasn't. Something wasn't quite right. And I thought there was something wrong with me. I had to talk to somebody. Plus, we were in the middle of a global pandemic, so that didn't really help either. What I learned was that I was a lot like a lot of other people, and I was feeling disconnected. And I couldn't talk to just anybody. I needed someone who would understand what I was going through, someone who I could relate to. And that's where BetterHelp was a game changer, folks. BetterHelp allows you to get the specific help you need for whatever it is that's eating away at you. What they do is set you up with a series of targeted questions in an intake that will get you the right therapist to talk about what is important to you. That's the best part. It can be about whatever you want, and it's highly focused on your needs. BetterHelp will provide you with a counselor in less than 48 hours, completely virtually. That's right, folks. BetterHelp is a completely online platform. You don't have to drive to a therapist's office, find parking, go through all that rigmarole. Makes life a lot easier. And like I said, it was a real game changer in my life. 
for millions of other people, and it can be one in your life as well. That's why we are proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors and a discount code, folks. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com with our code, which is ROCKHEAVEN. Once again, go to betterhelp.com and enter our code ROCKHEAVEN to get that 10% off your first month of professional therapy. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast and helping me out. Better help means better life. And if you want to use our link, I will be putting that in the show notes. Cool. Thank you, LD. All right. So let's get started, honey. Uh, what are we doing today? All right. We are wrapping up the great Lane Staley. Uh, last week, we covered his untimely passing, which was... That, 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 we're not going to talk. That was really sad. Uh, yes. Yes, it was. It was incredibly sad. And I think it's something that a lot of people know a little bit about, but not everything about. And what I'm hoping to do with this little sort of end cap here is come back to what happens next, sort of what are the things that happened with Alice in Chains from there. There were all these people that Lane was close to and they impacted, and he impacted so many lives. So let's find out some of, you know, the positives that came out of that and really celebrate the legacy that he left. So without further ado, let's jump on in. On April 25th, 2002, we lost Lane Staley. It was a huge blow to the music community and a crippling blow to those that were close to him. Everyone whoever talked about Lane kept saying the same things. He was kind. He was gentle. He was generous. He was caring. He was just a good guy. One of the things that Lane had said in a quote in a Rolling Stone interview, and this actually stuck with me throughout the whole series, as LD, you've put it, when we do these series, you know, we live with the person. You know, we, we go through their life. We learn about what they experience. And in a way, we kind of attach on to what they may have been going through. And this is one that stuck with me, and I was trying to find the right place to to plunk it in, and I think this is a good place for it. Lane had said well before he passed, in this in an interview, I'm scared of death, especially death by my own hand. I believe that there is a wonderful place to go after this life, and I don't think there's eternal damnation for anyone. I'm not into religion, but I have a good grasp on my own spirituality. I just believe that I am not the greatest power on this earth. I didn't create myself because I would have done a hell of a better job. That's what Lane said. So still in like the darkest of quotes, he has some humor, he has some character there. He obviously had a lot of loss. Kurt Cobain, he knew him. He was close to John Saunders. And of course, his own love, Demery Perot, passed away from complications due to substance abuse. But those losses, I said, would manifest in a legacy of music that does need to be celebrated. I do want to point out, though, that in the vigil that followed the public, because there was a public vigil that was on April 20th, and there was a private service with Lane's close friends and family. At that service, Chris Cornell and Ann Wilson performed Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones. Holy crap. Oh, geez. <laughs> Can you only imagine? Oh, wow. Amazing. The two of them singing literally anything together. Yeah. Unbelievable. No, no joke, let alone that song. It's like, oh, I would have, yeah. Ugh. To hear that would have been unreal. Lane passed without a will. He also had no heirs. He had no children that we knew of. So there was a woman that came forward several years after Lane passed and claimed to be his daughter, but the case was dismissed. There was no DNA evidence tying it, so her story didn't play out. So there was this big legal, legal battle, battle that happened with Lane's estate and who got what and how it all worked out. And one of the sad things was, is Lane was, you know, a lot of his stuff was lost. This is unfortunate with a lot of people who suffer from addiction is they lose a lot of things right when they pass. Their things are like in a storage unit or in a not secure place. And honestly, people just take their stuff. And that's what happened to Lane. His storage unit was broken into. So a lot of his personal effects were lost. A lot of his drawings, his individual you know, writings were lost. His estate was valued well over half a million dollars. 
And a lot of that went to the Lane Stanley Foundation. But very few people actually have now memorabilia that belong to Lane, you know, like bits of scraps that he wrote poetry on and, you know, items that belong to him. Unfortunately, a lot of it was was gone. Now, one thing that did happen was his good friend James Bergstrom, who was a longtime bandmate from the Sleaze days, surrendered unconditionally all rights to the names Alice in Chains and all rights to the former catalog. He just said, Lane, it's yours, and just walked away. So he was not looking for anything. Let's talk about the guys in Alice in Chains and what happened after Lane passed. We'll start with Mike Starr. Mike, unfortunately, never got over Lane's death. We talked about in our last episode, he had the most haunting encounter with Lane. He saw him the day before he passed away on Mike Starr's 36th birthday. He went to see Lane, and he was the last one to see him alive, and he never, ever shook that. Mike had a lot of issues. Uh, apparently, he went after the band a few times for more money. He thought he was owed royalties. If you remember, they dismissed him during the Dirt Tour. And he allegedly tried to file some lawsuits, but nothing ever came of it. However, I will point this out, that every time Lane was asked in a public forum what was going on with Mike and about these questions, Lane just sort of stopped it and said, look, Mike's departure from the band was a difference in priorities. That's all. He never mentioned anything about what was going on behind the curtain, which I think was an incredibly classy move on Lane's part. Mike was, of course, battling his own addiction. He did appear on Celebrity Rehab. And in that appearance, he actually said that he attempted to get clean 30 times. 3-0. Wow. He went to rehab. Wow. When talking about his last encounter with Lane, he said, I let him die. Lane saved my life on my birthday isn't that terrible? Because remember, that was April 4th, 2002. Lane passed on April 5th. Lane's mother, Nancy, was at odds with Mike constantly because there were these issues with the band and the rights, and she really blamed Mike. She said, you know, you should have made that call. You should have made that call. And Mike, you know, till the day he died, said, yeah, I should have, which I alluded to something which is quite unfortunate. We'll get to that very soon. For the next seven years following Lane's passing, Mike was really off the grid. He would unfortunately be known to law enforcement for several reasons. He would be arrested a number of times, ranging from 2003 all the way up to 2009. Most of them were drug-related. Sometimes they were things that were like ancillary charges, for example, vandalism when he was under the influence. He was actually boarding a plane in Salt Lake, and he got arrested for carrying drugs onto the plane. He was in and out of you know courts. Finally, he made his appearance on Celebrity Rehab in 2010, and that season, for those of you who've ever watched the show, was Mike Starr, Lisa D'Amato, Heidi Fleiss, Dennis Rodman, and Mackenzie Phillips. They were all that same season. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is a disparate crew. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember the the heyday of that show because they had Jeff Conway on that. Yep. And that was just so sad. And then, you know, of course, he passed away. But yeah, that was... I, I was torn on that show. I was yeah. really torn on that show because it was kind of like, for me, it was like, well, they chose to do the show. They knew what the show was about. But for me, it felt a little voyeuristic. You almost wonder how, how helpful that part of it is, the, it being televised. Like you said, they, they all knew that going in and they all signed up for it. But mm. I don't know. That just, And I don't understand addiction well enough to render a judgment. I just wonder, yes. like, is that helpful? Yeah, I don't I don't know because I feel like you know having the cameras in front of you sort of takes away that like ability to heal properly Mm. because how much of that is uh yeah, I don't want to take anything away from them, but like how much was for the cameras and how much was 
edited to seem different, but but of course, then it's like, okay, well, this is the actual face of addiction. Look, any anyone can be an addict. Anyone can fall into being an addict. Look at Dennis Rodman, one of the most you know successful basketball players in the world, or you know Jeff Conway. He was a film star. Is you know you know it, you know star. Well, yeah, I mean, but 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 it's you know, and then you get to see their road to recovery, so it might help someone sitting at home. But I don't know how good it is for that individual. So that that's my thought on that. So. Yeah, it's it's a good point, and it, obviously, it was very conflicted when Mike Starr did it. Doctor Drew said that the withdrawal symptoms that Mike Starr experienced were some of the worst he had ever seen, ever, which is kind of terrifying. But Mike seemed to be on the up and up after appearing on the show. He was actually working on getting sober. He was taking methadone. Uh, he actually started music again. So he was talking to the members of Alice in Chains. He was actually mending the fence with Nancy a little bit. There was an annual fundraiser that they would play for the Lane Staley Foundation every April. And she was actually in talks with Mike to sort of bring him back and do like an Alice in Chains reunion for the show. So he largely seemed to be, you know, trending upward. He also played again with Iggy Pop's guitarist, Whitey Kirst. So he was doing some gigs there. And he actually relocated to Salt Lake City. The goal there was to start a new band with, do you guys remember the band Days of the New? No. No, okay. They were. I do. Yeah, 90s, yes, yes, I do. 90s kind of grunge acoustic rock. Uh, the lead singer was Travis Meeks. Well, he and Mike were very good friends. So the goal was they were going to do a little side project together. However, March 7th, 2010, Travis Meeks and his wife arrived early one that morning to pick up Mike for a camping trip. What they found was Mike in his bed, unresponsive. 911 was called. When they arrived, it was too late. Mike Starr was pronounced dead on the scene. The analysis said that the death was a result of mixing a number of drugs. Uh, He was on methadone, that they knew. They also found prescriptions for Percocet and Opana, which is an opiate derivative. In his possession, they also found a number of unmarked pills that they don't know where they came from. They checked Mike's phone records, and one of the last calls he ever made was the night prior going into March 6th slash March 7th, was to a known drug dealer. Yeah, so Mike, unfortunately, did not make the road to recovery. Briefly before his passing, he did give this quote on Loveline, and I did want to share this. He said, Jerry and Sean are my brothers. They will always be my brothers. They will always be in my heart, and I would do anything for them. I feel naked without Lane in this life. I don't care about the band thing. I don't care about them dismissing me from the band. I love Lane for the human being that he was, that he is. I just really miss him. Mike Starr was 42 years old. So, sorry. Yeah, it's tough. That was Mike's Mike's story. Wow. Now we go over to Sean. Sean Kinney, as we know, is the drummer for Alice in Chains. When the band disbanded, he had already started kind of kicking around some side projects uh, with a few musicians. Maybe you guys have heard of the uh, heard of these guys: uh, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson. Any takers? No. Are you going to name somebody who's like done something? Uh, I'll keep trying. Uh, James Hetfield. Mm. No. No. Uh, Chris Novoselic, Kim Thale. Wait, and of course, wait. Yep. Didn't uh, that that James guy, wasn't he in like a movie or something? Uh, yes. Uh, and he loaned his music to a documentary that you liked. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And of course, his, uh, his guitar player, Jerry Cantrell. Now, the fact that Alice in Chains continued after Lane passed is largely credited to Sean. And here's why. The band was off and on really from about 1996 
through Lane's passing. They did cut an album, but again, things were very tenuous. When Lane passed, they went on an indefinite hiatus. Then 2004 happened. Do you guys remember the tsunami that struck in 2004? Yes. In Indonesia? Yeah. Yes, I, I do. Like a quarter of a million yeah. people were killed. It was just horrifying. That's when Sean said, okay, we, we got to do something about this. So he actually set up a relief concert for the victims and their families. So on February 18th, Sean Kinney, this is 2005, February 18th, Sean Kinney, Jerry Cantrell, and Mike Inez, who replaced Mike Starr, appeared as Alice in Chains for the first time in almost 10 years. Because remember, the band cut the Tripod album, but they never toured on it. Their final show was actually on July 3rd, 1996. So nine, nine, 10 years, give or take. And that was in Kansas City. Now, if you go down the street from that arena, which is the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, there's a venue called the Municipal Auditorium. And that venue on July 8th, 1974, played host to Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Oh, he is just going off, isn't yep. he? <laughs> All right. Hey, Give me a little bit more tea. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here we go. Take it away, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tom McGuinness, and that was your federally mandated Manfred Man reference of the podcast. I hope you are satisfied. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Tom. Right. That's the best. The event was a success. Other artists who contributed included Maynard James Keenan of Tool, Pat Lockman from Damage Plan, Wes Scantlin from Puddle of Mud, and of course, you love her, DJ, we all love her, and Wilson from Heart. The net result was they raised over $100,000 to the Tsunami Relief. Interesting thing about our friend Sean is, if you remember Mad Season, Lane's side project, debuted at the famous Crocodile Cafe. Sean would go on to become a co-owner of the Crocodile. It actually closed in 2007. It reopened in 2009, and at that point it adopted just the Crocodile. And Sean is currently a co-owner of the venue. It's a venue that launched a number of musical acts, which included Mad Season, but a lot of others, which I will preface with a fun fact. Fun fact! Fun fact! The Crocodile Cafe was opened in 1991 by Stephanie Dorgan. Do you know the name Stephanie Dorgan? Maybe. No, I do not. But you may know the name of her husband at that time, Peter Buck. Oh, wow. Yep. Guitar player for R.E.M. Yeah. Yeah. So R.E.M. obviously played the Crocodile. The first show ever at the Crocodile was The Posies. Other notable acts to play there and some owe the launch of their career at that Seattle venue include Nirvana, Everclear, Mookie Blaylock, and you know who they turned out to be, Mudhoney, Death Cab for Cutie, Yoko Ono, Harvey Danger, Ann Wilson, the President of the United States, and the Beastie Boys. So a little fun fact there. So anybody that we know? Yoko Ono? Oh, yeah. No, she's the one that stands in the subway and screams, isn't she? (laughs) I really thought LD would like Everclear, because I know you're a fan of (laughs) of Everclear. I actually am a a fan of Everclear. I really like them. I like, it's funny, I like Everclear, and I love The Offspring. I nice. supposedly saw them in concert once. Everclear? Oh, what, what do you mean you supposedly saw them? <laughs> I don't... I have clear recollections of much of that. Ah, was it a little, little hazy? You don't, you don't have clear recollections. 
there was there was PJ involved, unfortunately. So ah, uh, wait, what's PJ? PJ is when you take a mix of fruit juices and like Hawaiian punch and stuff and a bunch of cut up fruit and you mix it with uh, like Everclear 180. It's jungle juice, yeah. Yeah, purple Jesus, P- mm-hmm. PJ, whatever you, uh-huh. you want to That sounds call it. awful. It, no, it tastes good, which is a problem because there's Everclear yes. in it. <laughs> yeah, which is a big issue. The, there's a bit, the big issue is that you don't taste the 180 proof grain alcohol that's inside <laughs> of it. And then you try to stand up. <laughs> and then you t- right. And, and the real mistake is when you start eating the fruit. Oh, which is so Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that the point where gravity just looks at you and goes, not today? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <It just goes. laughs> yeah. Good luck, a-hole. Ah, <laughs> yeah, uh, dick. I supposedly saw a bunch of bands. It was a big festival. I, I don't remember any nice. of it. Literally, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> not even. Well, I'm sure they were lovely. But obviously bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Mud Honey all sprung from this venue in Seattle. As we do know, Sean unfortunately also struggled with substance abuse. It was really everyone in the band. Like Jerry said, we were always on something. He was very candid about that. Sean said that Lane's death put things in perspective for him. He was actually interviewed by Drum Magazine. And he said this was a pinnacle moment. Quote, I live every day missing a lot of people, you know but 10 times a day with knots in my stomach missing someone who was like a brother to me, end quote. And he tried. He went that long road through 2007. He was on tour with Velvet Revolver when he OD'd. Fortunately, Sean would recover. And the other fortunate thing is, I don't know if you knew this, but at that time, the members of Velvet Revolver, with the unfortunate exception of Scott Weiland, were all clean. Slash was sober. The drummer, I think, Matt Sorum, I believe, was sober as well. So he's like, I got to change. And he actually said this. He was like, I have to change because it's important to me that this legacy be passed on to have the music and Lane remembered. And at that point, Sean made the commitment to get clean. And he is still clean to this day, folks. Sean is now 56 years old. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yep. In 2013, Sean made a permanent addition to his drum kit. If you see him play live, which you can still do, you will notice four letters on his drum set. L. S M S Lane Staley Mike Starr. So that's always be really remembered. sweet. Yeah, Sean's story has a bit of a happy ending. Let's talk about Jerry. Jerry said this quote after the dust settled and Lane's passing. He said, "Here's what I believe." And again, this is Jerry being Jerry. So language warning: shit fucking happens. That's rule one. Everyone walking on the planet knows it. Rule two: things rarely turn out the way you plan. Rule three: everybody gets knocked down. Rule four, and this is the most important of all, after you take those shots, it's time to stand up and walk on. Jerry did make it clear that he didn't want to leave Alice in Chains. He actually said, I'd be happy being the lead guitarist and singer for Alice in Chains for my whole life. It's always been my first love and always will be, but the situation is being what it is. We've been together for a long time, so I've got to step up to the plate and take a few swings. So he starts branching out. And Jerry, as we know, was a jack of all trades. He was like, he could do anything in the studio. He was amazing. One of the first side projects, LD, you knew before you knew, and I pointed this out, I think, earlier today. The first song Jerry released solo was Leave Me Alone from the Cable Guy soundtrack in 1996. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and now I want to rewatch that movie because <laughs> it is underrated, criminally underrated. The, the karaoke scene is great. Oh, no. The Medieval Times. The Medieval Times. <laughs> 
scene is probably my favorite scene. But uh, if you keep an ear out, you can hear that song, which the whole song is really Jerry and he brought in Sean to play drums. Sean played drums and Jerry did no joke, everything else. Guitar, bass, vocals, mixed it, everything. Two years later, Jerry would release his first complete solo album called Boggy Depot. That was in 1998. He pulled in Toby Wright from the Alice in Chains record producer, along with his friend Buddy Sean. Mike Inez also came back, who was the bass player who replaced Mike Starr. The album was very well received. In fact, the debut single was called Cut You In. I don't know if, TJ, you remember that one. Uh, it was um, on Boggy Depot, maybe. No, if I do. It was actually nominated for two Billboard musicals. Mm, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, it was a very successful single when it came out. Okay. Uh, to this day, our friend Jerry cool. Cantrell has released three, count them, three solo, solo albums, Boggy Depot, Degradation Trip, and the most recent was Brighton. That was released in October of last year, so it's about a year out. Hey, Will, I hate to interrupt, but we do need to take a short sponsor break. And we are back. Thanks, LD. Let's get back to honoring the legacy of Lane Staley. I figured I'd share a song with you by Jerry. This one comes from the Brighton album. It's actually the title track. This one came out in October of 2021. And this is one that Jerry says he wrote in memory of his mother, who had passed again when he was in his teens. So let's take a listen to the solo work of Jerry Cantrell. Here is Brighton.
Okay, that's Brighton. Uh, LD, thoughts? I liked it. It was just a little long. Mm, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> that's, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's like a clean three-minute, 30-second song, and that mm. was almost five minutes. So it, it drags a little toward the end, but I did overall like it. Okay. DJ? I liked it a lot. I liked some of the, the harmony stuff that, that kicked in. Very, very Alice-ish. The really, guys was a rocking song. I liked it. It's, it's got some Screaming Trees. And, and I had not heard it before. Yeah. Very Screaming Trees, in my opinion. But uh, again, that was like Jerry's brainchild. He did everything. He produced the album. He played virtually every instrument except drums. The guy is immensely talented. Good news for Jerry. He would also conquer addiction. He is clean and sober to this day. Jerry is currently 56 years old. He actually resides in Burien, Washington. But he has homes in Oklahoma. He's got a ranch there. Studio City, Los Angeles. And he has tour dates booked for 2023, folks. So Jerry is still going strong. Good news for the ladies, because I think the ladies tend to like Jerry. He is single. So he is a bachelor. Great. Thank you for that. And I also (laughs) did my homework that you asked me to, you creep. Okay. And what's the verdict? Uh, It's a toss-up. Okay. Between... Okay, well, explain to them what you had me do. So, like I said, Jerry is a confirmed bachelor. He's never been married. He has no children. And it seems to be that many of the female Alice in Chains fan find Jerry appealing. So I wanted to get an opinion and say, LD, if you looked at the lineup of Alice in Chains, do any of those gentlemen stand out? Okay, it's a toss-up between Mike Starr and Sean Kenny. Mike and Sean, okay. Sean kind of looks like if Corey Feldman... And Keanu Reeves had a baby. He kind of looks like, what's his name? Uh, Trent Reznor, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Okay. I mean, none of them are really my type. But mm-hmm. also, like, Jerry Cantrell kind of looks like an older version of, of, oh, my God. Why can't I think of his name? He's, he's <laughs> like my leader. Shaun of the Dead. Simon Pegg. It looks like Simon Pegg. Okay, kind of looks like Simon Pegg. Here, I will. I will send a picture of of this, and he kind of looks like Dwayne Allman and Simon Pegg. Could do worse than those two. So, so hold on one second. I will put. I will put this in our group. Perfect. Our our group text, and I want you to uh, uh, let me know if you agree with me. So, hang on one second. While you do that, I will offer a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. The album closes, LD, I thought you would like this, with a cover of Elton John's Goodbye. Ah, yes. Yeah, because Jerry was a huge Elton fan. He grew up listening to Elton. He said Captain Fantastic and the Dirt Brown Cowboy was one of his favorite albums of all time. So there you go. So we've addressed the remaining members of Alice in Chains. As you know, they've been cruising around pretty much without a singer at this point. They've had several good fill-ins. We've mentioned a few, Maynard James Keenan, Ann Wilson, Pat Lockman. Other singers that filled in included Phil Anselmo, Mark Lanigan before he passed, James Hetfield, Scott Weiland, Billy Corgan, and even Sebastian Bach all contributed vocals to Alice in Chains. So they needed a long-term solution. Well, fortunately, they had already met that long-term solution. They just didn't know it. On June 30th, 1996, just four days before the band would give their final performance ever, they did a show in Louisville, Kentucky. Who was in attendance that night? A young man who made the trip up from Atlanta to see the band named William Bradley Duvall. 
Duvall is originally from D.C. He actually grew up listening to Jimi Hendrix. Which, by the way, was like my third choice. William Duvall? Yes, because okay. he kind of looks a little bit like Lenny Kravitz. He does have a Lenny Kravitz thing going. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, There's like something very like cute about him. Okay. Fair. Jimmy was one of his major influences. Duvall actually, like I said, was born in D.C. He moved to Atlanta when he was in his teens and actually founded several bands there. The first band he founded was called Awareness Void of Chaos. And they actually gained notoriety playing a lot of punk clubs near where we are, LD, Lawrenceville. So very close to Lawrenceville. Duval would get a degree from philosophy from GA State University. He founded a number of bands over the years, but the main one that sprung him to the front of the pages was Comes With the Fall. But most of his notoriety came from a little ditty that he wrote, but he didn't perform that ditty. The ditty was written for Dion Ferris, and that song is I Know. Do you guys remember that one from the mid-90s? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, baby. Okay, so fun story about that song. Fun story. The other day I was going through Walmart prior to Whamhalla, so I didn't have my headbuds in or my, my Raycons in. That song was playing, and I'm not kidding. I just danced through the aisles like nobody was watching, and I'm pretty sure they were. <laughs> well, <laughs> like just lip syncing it at full volume. Okay, you, you lived out like one of those dumb inspirational posters. Dance like no one's watching. watching and yeah. <laughs> eat dessert first and drive while blindfolded yeah. and whatever else. <laughs> Hang in there like this cat on a tree. <laughs> that cat's dead. Oh, they nuts. tell you that cat, that cat, didn't, <laughs> that cat could not hang on because he was a cat. Well, your, your delightful display in that Walmart LD is credit to William Duvall. He wrote that song. Who knew? It's Who also won- a really good song. So, good yeah. Song. Well, the guy could write good songs. So the band Comes With The Fall started coming up, and it was time for them to make the leap from Atlanta to Los Angeles. And so they moved into the same apartment complex as Dave Hillis. Now, if you remember, Hillis was one of the technicians who worked on the earlier Alice in Chains albums. Hillis was still in touch with Jerry Cantrell. They actually met up in early 2000 at the Sunset Marquee just to say hi. And Hillis had told Jerry, hey, you know, there's a lot of good guys in my building that do music. He mentioned Comes With The Fall. And Jerry was like, oh, I've heard them. They're great. Can you? Can I meet them? So they actually went to a show at the Dragonfly where William Duvall and his band were playing. And Jerry just walked up and introduced himself. And of course, William Duvall is over the moon because he was a big Alice in Chains fan. So they started kicking some songs back and forth. Duvall actually worked a little bit with Jerry on Degradation Trip, Jerry's second album. And it wasn't long before Jerry said, hey, you know, we're going to go on tour. You know, why don't you come with? So they became an opening act for them. In the next four years, William Duvall would play alongside Jerry and eventually the remaining members of Alice in Chains, which was largely triggered again by that Tsunami Relief concert. So they figured, let's give William a shot at singing, you know, being our singer. And there was a lot of hesitation. Because it was it was Lane, and you guys know from the bands you enjoy, you can't replace the lead guy. You, you, you can't do it. You know, Sean Kinney was actually saying when they mentioned replacing Lane, he said, no. Oh my God, no, you can't fill those shoes. We're not trying to. We've never tried to. You can't. We know that more than anybody. That was never the idea. We found a guy that's badass. He gets it, and he's talented. That's how he described William Duvall. And uh, Duff McKagan was a little more forthcoming. As you know, Duff McKagan was the bass player for GNR. In his biography, he said, in an age of paint-by-numbers corporate rock, 
we fucking need Alice in Chains. So Duvall steps in and he sings two songs, Love, Hate, Love and Rooster. Not easy ones either. He was so good that the band, unanimous decision, three votes. On March 10th, 2006, the Alice in Chains took the stage in Atlantic City at the Taj Mahal Casino with their new lead singer, William Duvall, who, if you've been paying attention, was an audience member 10 years before seeing that band at Louisville, Kentucky. I think that's pretty cool. Very much so. Yeah. At the time of this recording, folks, Alice in Chains has released three albums with William Duvall at the helm. Black Gives Way to Blue, The Devil's Put Dinosaurs Here, and Rainier Fog. So let's jump over to our set list. We'll actually close out with a song with William Duvall and sort of the next incarnation of Alice in Chains, knowing full well there is no replacement for Lane Staley. You cannot replace him. Uh, what they did was they found someone who could still make good music, who was talented, and the new Alice in Chains is very much, you know, alive and well and touring. So shall we go to our lists, ladies and gentlemen? No. Sure. <laughs> no. All right, we'll start with the easy one first. Uh, the first piece of homework was the top five Alice in Chains albums. I was unaware that that was a thing that we had to do. So, um, okay. so bite me. <laughs> so we have the top five Alice in Chains albums. Again, they can be any albums. Live albums are a no, but the unplugged is a yes. So we're allowing unplugged, but not just like live at the whatever. You can use the William Duvall album, absolutely. EPs are fair game. So let's hear it, TJ. Your top five Alice in Chains albums. All righty. All of mine are, are Staley era. Okay. But I went at number five. I have Alice in Chains. Self-titled? Okay. Uh, the self-titled album. Just a, it's just a good, it's just a really great rock album. Um, number four is Unplugged. Um, nice. And what I would say about it is I, in my mind, thought that this was much closer to the date of Lane passing than it was. It's, there was, there was what, five, six years? Yeah. Between the Unplugged album. Because if you, if you, if you listen to it, but if you watch it especially, he looks gone. Yeah. Really, and there's the it adds a kind of an ominous, eerie tone to their music, which has lots of ominous, eerie tones to it anyway. <laughs> but I thought I, until we, you did this, I, I, in my mind, they did unplug that he died six months later. I didn't realize it was five, six, seven years oh, uh, yeah. in between. But he just fell anyway. out of the public eye completely. Uh, he was a recluse for, for a long time, right? I'd kind of forgotten that. Uh, number three for me is Jar of Flies, uh, the EP, a uh, different side of Alice. Some some acoustic stuff, but some but but really, it's just killer. It's just killer, killer, killer music. Number two, I've got Facelift. You know that was the album that introduced the world to Alice and, and introduced me to Alice. I distinctly remember, as I told you when we started this, driving around in my 1978 Chevrolet Impala, <laughs> which was uh, so big you could play like a half court game of basketball on the hood. 15 tons of the finest steel Michigan ever produced, buddy, uh, that reeked of mothballs and had been stored in a garage in Myrtle Beach. So it had rust spots all over it, which the former owner covered with white Krylon paint, which looked great on a blue car. Anyway, I remember driving around in that my first car, that one, and uh, Man in the Box came on, on 95.7 out of Charlotte, and I lost my crap. And I was hooked. <laughs> From the from the opening, wow! 
Like, I didn't have to hear any more than that. I was like, oh my God, what is this? Um, but the oh. whole thing is super consistent and I really love it. And for me, number one, far and away, an absolute friggin' masterpiece from start to finish is dirt. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you, you come out with Down in the Hole and then Bones and Rooster and Angry Chair and on and on and on and on, it's just, it, it is them at the absolute top of their game, the top of their songwriting game, the top of their playing game, the harmonies. Just adds so much atmosphere to those songs, and it's so atypical of hard rock and heavy metal. Um, I, I love Dirt as one of my. Uh, that's a top five hard rock heavy metal album ever, probably in my opinion, mm. and I've got it at number one. Great list, great list. Um, like I said, it's it's, and mine was was close. I I think we have some similarities. Uh, I did want to share uh, since LD, you did not turn in your assignment. I will let someone pinch hit for you, and that is the fine co-host of Yeah, uh huh, Aaron. Okay, that's I abstain. I yield my time. Thank you. <laughs> so, first of all, Aaron, thank you for submitting your list of top five Alice in Chains albums. Here they are in order. Number five, we have Sap. Gets overlooked a lot because it's an EP, but man, what a great disc! I think LD, you said you really like the sound on Sap, like Right Turn, the yes. one with Chris Cornell. Um, yeah. yeah, got me wrong. It's more acoustic. He had that at number five. Number four, he had the self-titled TJ. So just a little bit higher than where you had it. Again, it's a good album. Definitely more metal, I think. Uh, number three, Jar of Flies. I have opinions on that, which I will reserve for my list. Number two, Facelift. Again, it's the it's the first album. Sweet spot for that one. And number one, TJ, you and I are on the same page. You went with Dirt. Which is... It's tough to argue. But here I go to argue. <laughs> so, Very much so. And by the way, this was tough for me. I... I I think my number one was always solidified. Getting that number five slot was really hard. And then as I got down, it just got more and more painful. So my number five was actually the Unplugged. I think, like you said, watching Lane is very haunting. And it's sort of an eerie tone to, like you said, a music that already has eerie tones. But vocally, he still slays it. I mean, even though physically he looks checked out, vocally, the guy's on. And... It's one of the finest unplugged shows I think it's ever been done. I think them, what, Nirvana, uh, I'm trying to think who else. It just they, They're like the big two in my mind. They're stellar performances. Absolutely unreal. Okay, number four is Sap, 1992. Great release. Again, it's an EP, but very strong. Again, the songs roll nicely into one another. It's a good continuous feel all the way through. My number three is Facelift. Again, that first album just comes out swinging all the way uh, from We Die Young, CSRO, Bleed the Freak. I mean, it just grabs you from the moment and says, you're going to listen to this album and you're going to like it. And then we deviate. Number two, Dirt. And this was close, guys. I love oh. it. I love the Dirt album. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. It is, like you said, TJ, I think the harmonies were spot on. Uh, when you have songs like Rain When I Die, Down in a Hole, Rooster, I mean, it's it's killer. It may be the closest things Allison Chains has to a greatest hits without it being a greatest hits, if that makes any sense. But I will always yield my number one spot because I think it's musically the most mature album they have. It's different. It's interesting. It is just lyrically and musically, in my opinion, flawless. Jar of Flies, number one. I love it. That's my top five. I just had a thought, Will. Yes. I just had a thought. Okay. You uh, and Aaron all had the Unplugged album in our top five. Mm -hmm. Am I remembering right? Is that when they came out with the, the stuff written that 
on their guitar. Friends don't let friends get friends haircuts. Yep, <laughs> a, they did. Taking a little piss on Metallica. Yes, they did. Yep. After they that was them. Okay, yep. I thought it was. Yeah, because it was it was prefaced by something that was less tasteful, which was when they pretended to shoot up on stage and said, "I can't tour, I can't tour." Yeah, because you yeah. know, Lane, which is and pretty Me- classic. And Metallica had just come out with Load. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, but Metallica could just come out with Load, and they'd all gotten they'd all cut their long hair off. Yep. So that was uh, that was a little shot at them, but yeah, that just yeah. popped in my head. No, 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 it was yeah, they came out with it on their guitars, which was awesome because they did not cut their hair with the exception of Lane, who cut his and dyed it pink, like hot pink. Mm-hmm. So it was something. All right, great, and thank you, Aaron, for contributing that list as well. I think LD, you can kick it off. We are now in the set list from hell. I will reiterate the terms, and LD love to hear what you came up with first. Well, how about this? How about we do a round robin? Okay. I'll do my Alice in Chains, T will do his, you'll do yours, and then we'll move on to Soundgarden. Perfect, yeah. Okay. So again, the four bands are Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, and Pearl Jam. So we needed four songs from each band. Then we needed four songs from any of their side projects, with real, which really opens the door. Because if you think about that group, how many side projects and solo stuff they had, it's unreal. So four of Ooh, any Ooh, let me tell you project. something, I... I ventured into some strange territory on that one, friend. Just oh, wait till we get to those. I hope so. And then the final was a four-song encore. You can pick a side project. You can pick the band. You can pick a solo. Anything from that core group that you feel is encore-worthy, you can slot in. So again, total of, what is that, 24 songs? Yeah, I hate you. Yep, 24 songs for a set list. But think about that, because the scary thing I want to throw out there before we go into this, if you look at these these four bands, there's only one that's really still with us, and that's Pearl Jam. Mm. Everyone else yeah. is gone. It's just, yeah, it's really sad. So. Or someone from, so a key member of each is gone. Definitely. Right, yeah. Or more than one in Alice's case. But Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, Nirvana, Soundgarden, yeah, it's all just tragic. So, all right. So, LD, we're going to kick it off. We'll do Round Robin. I think it's a great idea. Let's do Alice in Chains. All right. For my number four, I chose Right Turn. Nice. Off a sap. All right. Three, I stay away. Ooh, good one. Two, rooster. Nice. And number one, down in a hole. Good. Strong list. Very good. Excellent. All right. DJ. Okay, we have a couple in common, but a couple different. When I do these sort of exercises, as we've we've done this before, and we will again, coming up on the next oh, yeah. I take lead on, so look forward to that. There's part of you that thinks like, well, I don't want to just pick their greatest hits. I want to be pick pick something interesting. And I want, it's like, yeah, but if you went and saw this concert, these are the songs you would want to hear. <laughs> so it is yeah. what it is. And uh, for, since it's Alice, I decided we were just going to freaking rock out. We open with Wood. Then we roll into Rooster. <sighs> down in a Hole. And then Them Bones. All right. Just so nice. freaking, just four bangers back to back to back to back. All right, so we've got what eight songs now? <laughs> no, six songs because I've me and you have two that matched. Yeah, you've matched there. We had two. Uh, we had two in common. Yeah. Yep. And I'm about to bust that up completely. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So we've got uh, "I Stay Away," which is I think the greatest song Alice Chains has ever made. Period. Don't follow. You got to okay. slow it down during a concert. Got to change the pace and just again the image of Lane on stage doing his thing. I'm going with that. Uh, Rain When I Die, masterpiece off of dirt. Just incredible. It was between that and uh, Down in a Hole. 
I went with Rain When I Die, and then the other one, We Die Young, the opening track on Facelift. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's our Alice in Chains list. Let's hear Soundgarden LD kicking it off. All right. I chose Rusty Cage. Good choice. Okay. Outshine. Great. Nice. Spoonman. Nice. (laughs) I almost, I didn't pick that one. I almost did. It's a good song. It's a very good song. Now, the song that I chose for my number four goes against like literally everything I've ever said during the series was like, it's too hard. But it starts off really slow and then goes from like one to a hundred in like two seconds. And that song is Ty Cobb. Oh, nice one. Okay. Did not expect that. No, because... Yeah, a little off the beaten path stick there. I like that. Yeah, it was because I got exposed to it when we did our Chris Cornell series. Nice. So I, I know them a little bit better than Alice in Chains. Okay. That's okay. Ty Cobb's a reach. That's a good one. TJ. Well, I think, yeah, TJ, you're up. Okay. Uh, so Soundgarden, this one was hard uh, to narrow it down to just four, but this is what I came up with. I'm going to have them open with Burden in My Hand. Ooh, nice one. I just freaking love that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a banger, yeah. Uh, that's, I love how it opens with that kind of the jangly acoustic guitar and Chris is just wailing and in the video, they're literally walking through a desert and the lyrics are really dark. It kind of doesn't actually match the tune of the song. It sounds a little more upbeat than the, it really is. Um, but then there's the big guitars kick in. And I just I love that that flow from the slower acoustic to the to the revved up uh, electric. It's just it's a killer song, and I love it. After that, I think we're going to hear <clears throat> "Fell on Black Days." Good one. Another uh, terrific song. LD, you might want to close up your ears. Uh, we're going to hear "Black Hole Sun." Yeah, you, you have to. I mean, it's. I mean, I know that the video creeps you the hell the out, whole, but God, what a song. What everything a, creeps what me a, out. Just an absolutely fantastic song. Everything about that everything about that song creeps me out. That solo by Kim Thayel is unreal. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I just I love that. I absolutely love that song. Uh, and Soundgarden will finish with Outshine. Good one. Nice. All right. All right, folks, we'll go with my four. Again, we have some carryovers, but I I am going to break it up a little bit here. I'm actually starting with one of, in my opinion, the most memorable opening licks they have. I'm going with Super Unknown. That song is awesome. That is a great song. (laughs) Title track off the album. I did go LD with Rusty Cage. Excellent. Dude, that's an awesome song. It's it's a banger, yeah. And it's like iconic Soundgarden. And I did put it on my list as you did, LD. I know, uh, TJ, it made the cutting room floor for you, but Spoonman, it's, it's got to be there. <laughs> I love me some Spoonman. And then I wanted to round it out with Cornell just wailing away, so I went with The Day I Tried to Live. Nice. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right, who's next? Nirvana. Oh, Nirvana. Oh, Nirvana. you know, I love, I love those like, guys from Nirvana. They're just, they're just so spectacular. All right, that's me up. Yep. All right. I'm a, okay, language warning. I'm a basic bitch. But also, we did an entire series on Kurt Cobain, so you guys can go back and listen to that. It's interesting because at this point, looking at this list, we have now covered someone in both Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Nirvana. So Mm -hmm. the only one that we haven't covered is Pearl Jam because uh, no one is podcast eligible, I don't think. So uh, there is a series on the latter three things that we've just talked about. So, 
but I'm pretty basic when it comes to my Nirvana or it's just that their catalog is so well-known. I don't know which one it is or it's just that the ones I picked are just the best ones. So I picked Lithium. Great song. I picked Come As You Are. Good one. This one, actually, okay, so for the same reason why... What was your first one? Lithium. Lithium. Okay, I got it. Yeah. And then, honestly, my number three is actually for the imagery in the music video as opposed to, like, the song being stellar, which it is stellar, but it's the same reason why I hate, the you know, Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun is the reason why I love Nirvana's Heart-Shaped Box. It's a good song. Okay. I like the song. Yeah. Terrific and, song. Yes. And then my final one is All Apologies. That's another great one. Yep. All right. So, T, you are up. All right. Here. Okay. Um, my, we, we had a lot of, of similarities uh, on our list, and we didn't discuss these ahead of time. Uh, I, ha- I would have Nirvana. Uh, opening with lithium, which okay. I think is just that's I, that might be my favorite song of theirs. One of the unhinged, cra- just crazy raw power of that is just insane, and I, I've always loved that one. Um, then we're going to roll into Heart Shaped Box. Mm. Yep. Uh, then we're going to kick it to In Bloom. Um, oh, nice. I, I love that one. That's and, a great. And is song. there a, a is there a stranger and more wonderful remake? Of a song than Sturgill Simpson's in Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> Have y'all heard that? No. That is, you played it for oh me. Oh my yeah. god! I, you've never heard that, LD? No. Oh, I'll, I'll listen to it when we uh, when we yes, you'll, when need we to, you'll need to hear Sturgill Simpson doing in Bloom. It's it's completely reimagined. You, <laughs> like it's unbelievable that it's even the same song. I give him points um, for going then, there. Uh, and then I would have them finishing up with uh, the man who sold the world. Excellent. Got it. I will say that made my uh, list as not well. Not an original, not a Nirvana original song, obviously, a remake of uh, the David Bowie classic, but I just, it's... That might make I, an appearance later on in my uh, <laughs> set list, possibly, maybe. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's hard to remake somebody as inventive and amazing as Bowie and succeed, but they did somehow. It's yep. a different song. It doesn't even feel like the same song to me when in Kurt's hands. Somehow, but that that would be my four from Nirvana. Nice. They definitely brought something new to it. Absolutely. And uh, that's why it's on my list too. Man Who Sold the World. I love that cover. It's absolutely incredible. Um, we're going to start it off with All Apologies. I think we all agreed on that one. We have a, a beer frame on that one. I do believe we do. Yes, we do. All Apologies. Yep. Okay. I, I have. Do you have it on your list, T? No, I did not. Oh, oh two damn. out of three. Okay. I had, I had Heart Shaped Box, Lithium, In Bloom, The Man Who Sold the World. So I two more milder flavors, if you will, and then I'm, I'm going to wrap it. it's a great up. song. Oh, it's a fantastic one. Yes, uh, I'm going to kick it old school. I'm going with Floyd the Barber from the Bleach album. Because that song just, it's a banging song. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, I just want some hard, unhinged, raw Nirvana. I'm going with Floyd the Barber, man. That's, like, that's a fun song. So I'm going to put that one on there. And then um, I will censor the title of this one. I do think it's a great song, but um, it's R Word, LD. Me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. S A me. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Um. I think it's a, a rocking song. I mean, the lyrics yeah are, are dark. Uh. But it's definitely a masterpiece by the late great Kurt Cobain. All right. Let's take it over to the band formerly known as Mookie Blaylock, Pearl Jam. I don't know if we'll have a lot of overlap, 
but I I will tell you guys in a few. Uh, but my number four was a song called Deep. That's a good off ten, yeah. My number three is Jeremy, which again, the music video is so impactful that mm. you can't for for us who grew up in the MTV generation, you can't really separate the song from the music video. It's just it was that impactful. Yeah. Uh, and then this song, my number two. Me and my mother didn't speak for like four days because she was like, this song is so stupid. The lyrics are so dumb. He's a man. I don't like this. And I was like, mom, one of your favorite songs is The Witch Doctor. Let me recite the lyrics of that for you. <laughs> ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang, kiss my butt. And we didn't speak for three days. So I'd like to thank Pearl Jam for that. <laughs> and the song Thanks, okay. that, yeah yeah the song is daughter mm-hmm. T no I was just going to say you know ting tang walla walla bang. so you're saying about fake orange juice in a town in Washington tang and walla walla <laughs> I don't... yeah I guess so and then bang would be Chandler mm-hmm. clearly those, those seem to be rather disparate topics yeah a Chandler from friends and then a I Shadow and uh, Mascara Company? I'm so confused. Anyway, uh, and then my number one is not a song that most people know they even covered. I believe it came out in 1999. It's a remake of a 1950s song. Oh, I know this one. It was Last Kiss. Yep. And it's a, it was Eddie Vedder's yep. vocals. It's so good and it's so forlorn. And I just... That's why it's my number one. I loved it. They brought something new to it, which is awesome. And, yeah, it, and sound, they, it doesn't sound like a Pearl Jam song. Oh, no. It does not sound like a Pearl Jam song, but it, it's it's very drum heavy and it's it's just save, really good. Eddie, save for Eddie's vocals, it sounds nothing like Pearl Jam. Yeah. 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 And it's I think in a good, but, in, but in a good way, too. It's a, it's, it's, it is it's a good remake. Yeah, so go and listen to Last Kiss because it is a really good song. It's sad, and you probably know the original version better than the the cover, but it's it's one of my favorites. It's a great cover. Awesome. And I just want to say, if anyone listed the 10 album as a single entry, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> it's uh, I think we will have to do on a slap nuts a, a list of perfect albums. Uh, 10. Okay. Is, yeah. Yeah. I've explained to you uh, yeah. the conspiracy theory that I think is absolutely 100% true. I think, I think in like 1994, they separated the boys and the girls. And they said it was for sex education. But to be honest, I think they just passed out Pearl Jam's 10 to the boys and Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill to the girls because there was not a single person that I knew in like freshman slash sophomore years that did not own one of those albums. And the thing with those albums is they are, again, in my opinion, perfect. There's no fad on any of them. You can't cut a single song. Oh, God. A, more, a lot of yeah. Morissette's Jagged Little Pill is so good that they just took the entire perfect. album and turned it into a Broadway musical. Yep, so, like, perfect. it's a perfect album. Nice. All right. So, we got some good material here. TJ, let's hear the Pearl Jam list. <laughs> okay. Mine's skewed very old uh, because I, I agree with you that 10 is basically the perfect album. I thought Versus was fantastic. Vitology was okay, and then I, they, I just haven't loved <laughs> can't have to that, to be honest with you, but so mine are older, and I go the uh, LD basic bitch route on this. I'm going to kick it off with Evenflow. Nice. Um, 
That sounds like that just seems like an amazing song to start a set with. Then we're going to roll right into Alive. Nice. Then we're going to hear what I consider the best song probably in their catalog. And it shows that you can pack a, a gigantic emotional punch without being loud. That, I think that's the best song they ever did. I love Black. Black is a great song. Yeah, it is. Oof, good list. Uh, and then we're going to i throw in one from Versus, and that would be Animal. That almost made my list. I really liked Versus. I thought Versus was a very strong album. Versus is a, Versus is a really good album, and then I, they kind of went downhill a little for me after that. But those first two albums are magic, and so that's why my entire set list is comprised of nothing but songs from those two albums. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll round out the the trio here. Uh, I'm going to open with the first song on 10 because it just grabs you by the cojones, and that's Once. That song just rips into you from the moment it starts. Oh, it's so good. Um, I'm going with another one from 10, Garden. One of my favorite songs by Pearl Jam ever. Yep. That's a fantastic one. Um, Vitology, as you said, may not be a perfect album, but it's got some bright spots. And uh, I got to say, I, I was on the fence about including the song because it got a lot of play commercially. I still think it's a good one. I will still listen to it today. And that's Better Man. I think it's a really good song. That's, you know what? That has got some amazing musical imagery in it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he he walks in, she's pretending to be asleep. Like that's just, uh, yeah. it's it's a great song. It's yeah. just a good song. Yeah, credit to Eddie on that one. Well, well done lyrically. And then staying in sort of the mellow vein, but again, kick it up a little bit. I'm going with verses. Elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Just a nice song there. It is. Yeah. Again, lots of good choices. Oh, good stuff. All right, now we go into side projects. This opens the door pretty wide because again. All of these, virtually all of them had some kind of side project. You know, you've got the you know, Nirvana with that Dave Grohl character, you know, doing his thing. I think, you know, between Jerry and Lane alone, you got a ton of material there. Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, we know the overlap. So let's hear it. LD, four from side projects. Here we go. Okay. Side projects. I can, I, I'll bet you, you can figure out who, uh, who's going to be very featured on this one. And so, um, for my number one, I went with My Hero by the Foo Fighters. Fighters. Foo Fighters, yep. Then I went Everlong by the Foo Fighters. It is an offshoot. It's okay. big girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is allowed. Yeah. And then I went Sun Shower by oh. Chris, Chris Cornell. And then my number four is also Chris Cornell, and that is Nothing Compares to You. It's a beautiful cover. It really is. It really Just, is. He did a couple of very different and uh, he did a couple of covers that that one and Billy Jean stick out Ugh. it's just him and a guitar and immediately yeah. as he took these yes. super super popular very well known songs and he just redid them into something completely different and his voice the he his voice emotes like very few people's ever have in my opinion yeah he is one of the greatest rock vocalists of all time he's definitely up there oh wow good list TJ let's hear it all right. Well, I picked one that'll probably be on a lot of people's list, and then I got I got weird. Um, I went with my hero <laughs> by Foo Fighters. It's a good song. <laughs> That's a very good song. Um, so wait, we had an one. we had an overlap of a song from an artist 
catalog that was a side project for some, <laughs> like we overlapped on the first song. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know that we're going to have any more overlap. <laughs> that's where it ends. Um, I mean, even though that's, that's like what, that's like 25% of the songs are the same. <laughs> I'm proud of that. I feel right. good. Well, Will may, may have this one, but, but I kind of doubt it. I did go with the Temple of the Dog song, but not the one that most people would pick. I picked Say Hello to Heaven. Oh, what a great song. Oh. I God, love the interplay of their, their vocals. It, Chris and Eddie's vocals will matter. Just that, the, the way they, they, they trade off and blend. It's just all, it's fantastic. And it's a great song. It, no question. Yeah, no, no argument. Nailed it, no notes. <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb and say, nope, and say nobody else picked this one in our little group and no one else listening to the podcast would have picked it either. Because most people have sort of forgotten that in around 1996-ish, Pearl Jam put out an album with Neil Young called Mirrorball. Yes, they did. (laughs) And the song I picked on it, the song I picked from it was Downtown. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, my God. If you've never heard... First of all, I almost went with Peace and Love off of that one because there's more... There's some trade-off between Neil and Eddie vocally. Downtown is just Neil singing. Um, Apparently, Eddie Vedder was not around for a lot of the recording of the album, which took place in a very small window of time because he was... uh, He had a very problematic stalker situation going. Oh, was that when that was happening? So, it was difficult for him to leave his home. Um, But his, his vocals are there on a couple of songs on that album. But it's Pearl Jam basically playing with Neil Young. I've always really liked the, just the tone of Neil Young's guitar, and I love it on that one. The last one on the Side Projects one, it's not actually a band, but it is a, a one-off project that Will briefly referenced, and I was hoping against hope he wasn't going to play it because I wanted to spring this on you, and he didn't. I'm going to go with a one-off sort of, not really a super group, but it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a super group. Is it a super group if you only do one song? <laughs> And you don't actually have a name for your band? It's because... my podcast. It's my podcast. I'll do what I want. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say the combination of Kim Thale from Soundgarden, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana, Sean Kenny from Alice in Chains, and Johnny Cash on the Willie Nelson tribute album Twisted Willie, the song Tom of the Preacher. If you wow. have never heard that. Go find it right damn now. <laughs> That's right. It is phenomenal. And it's, again, there's a bunch of time changes and it goes from very slow acoustic guitar to like, holy crap, things are going to explode loud. And John's voice settles right in it perfectly. I love, if you've never heard it, it's from a tribute album called Twisted Willie. And it's uh, the song Time of the Preacher by... By the combo I mentioned, Kim Thale, yeah. Jenny, uh, Johnny Cash, uh, Chris Novoselic, and Sean Kenny. Yeah, it was amazing because that was one of Sean's side projects. There, I mean, if you take the the people that Sean has worked with, it's kind of insane. He's he's got well, around just the people yeah. he worked with right there. I know, right? Just that list. It's in, it's insane. Which contains, by the way, a member of three of the four bands that we're featuring in this set list. Yes, it does. Because <laughs> we got what Soundgarden covered, Alice in Chains covered, and Nirvana, and Nirvana covered. Yep. Nice. Yep. 
Very cool. All right. Well, I think uh, except for one song, we have no overlap here. Um, the one song, of course, is Sun Shower. I remember when uh, Chris Cornell passed away. Okay. The first thing I did was I just played that song over and over and over again. Like, I just, I love that song. It's beautiful. Cornell, we miss you. Sun Shower. I did put River of Deceit, Mad Season. I felt like we needed some representation from the Alice in Chains Pearl Jam crossover. And River of Deceit's a great song. It's it a is. little on the slower side. I think LD, you really liked that one, if I remember correctly. I did. Lane's vocal's still strong there, and a uh, good song there. Uh, I did go with Foo Fighters, but none of the ones you picked, folks. I went with The Pretender. I have to unmute that's myself. Not a bell right off. Yeah. I don't, that's not ringing a bell right off the top. That's for like, me. one of those things is not like the other. Poison. One of those things is not like... You've, you've yeah, heard. Dad, we've discussed this. No singing. Okay, uh, yeah, okay I got you now. I got but, you. Listen to it. It's, it's an amazing song. It just, again, comes out swinging with Dave on the guitar, and oh, it's awesome. And then when it came to Audio Slave, it was just pure torture. How do I pick one song from Audio Slave? How do you do it? Well, I wanted one that would give Cornell the most, you know, featured vocal time. So I actually went with Like a Stone. Haunting. Great song. Yeah. yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. Shows off Cornell's vocals like a stone. So those are my four for the side projects, which brings us to the end of our show, The Encore. Again, this can be anything for the four bands or the side projects. So what songs are we closing out the show with? LD, let's hear it. Here we go. I chose No Excuses. Ooh, nice. Number one. My second one is, again, The Foo Fighters, Learn to Fly. Learn how to fly. Is that the one they have all played yes. when they, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, Learn to Fly was the song that they played when all the drummers got together and they were trying to bring Foo Fighters to their country. It's in Italy, right? Yeah. I want to say yes. I will if I if I remember to post it on our social media, I'll post it on our social media. But yes. Uh I love that. And the music video is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh so that that actually goes a long way. Uh if you have a funny music video, chance star I'm, I'm really gonna like the song. Uh, the next one is The Man Who Sold the World. Nice. And then my final song is Say Hello to Heaven. Good one. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. So that was my set list. Right. I did I did I did the work. I you see did. I did it. I did the work. I expect a pizza tonight. Fair. We will have pizza. <laughs> Yay. Excellent encore. All right. TJ, your encore. Here we go. Okay, I decided I just wanted four uh, four bangers that just sizzle and just blow the roof off the dump. So we're going with, in order, Jeremy, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Rusty Cage, Man in the Box. Yeah, that's a shit kicker ending right there. That's a <laughs> yeah. good way to end a show, yes. I wasn't even thinking about like how to end a show, but I feel like Say Hello to Heaven is probably like a great way to end a show. That's a good. No, that's a, your yours stacked stacked up nicely. But I just thought, man, we've got four of the all time shit kickingest bands on on one bill. Let's let's just we need to just absolutely rock out for the for the for the encore. Nice. Yes, I will close it out. I, I came kind of to the conclusion that TJ came to. I wanted some real rocking songs. At the same time, I figured with all this talent on stage, let's give them something they can jam a little with. So get some solos in there, maybe stretch a few things out. So here's my final four. We have got Even Flow, because I think that could be a real jam fest, especially with all those guitar players. Uh, I did put Black Hole Sun on there. Sorry, LD, but it's a great song. 
And uh, a lot of people disagree with your stance on it. So I'm putting that in the encore. Look, I completely understand that I'm in the minority, but you don't understand how impressionable I was when that music video came out. It's disturbing. It is. But I think you'll approve of my last two. Again, I went with some rocking songs from Alice in Chains, Rooster, and of course, Man in the Box. To close it on out. And that's our set list, folks. Set list from hell. A hellish unpleasant exercise that we'll be repeating here in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I oh, seriously, guys, I don't do this to you. Why do you do it to me? I, I, what did I do? How did I hurt you? I, I won't read the others. We had some great submissions on this one. I know a few of our listeners did. Uh, the How ones... did you hurt me? Well, you you you, you slugged my shin with a baseball bat when I was laying on the floor while I was asleep. <laughs> oh, like, boo hoo! I mean, I could start there. Okay, can I just uh, remind you of that time that you? Buried me into a butter churn in the back of the head. Thank you for my concussion number one. And the fact that mom had to like cut that piece of the carpet out because there was blood all over the floor. Mm, I think you tripped. I tripped and fell on you kicking me into the butter you, churn. I and fell. Ugh, you're dumb. Yep. You're, yeah, was there a video of it? Then, If not, then I think you tripped and fell. It didn't happen. No, yeah. It was 1984. No one had a video camera. Yeah, yeah. No, I think mom had a GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> 1984. Mom, would have been a damn 8mm or something. My mom just learned how to text, okay? <laughs> so I doubt that she had a non-existent camera. Stop it. Is that a Twilight Zone episode? A non-existent camera? No, no <laughs> our mom invented it. She invented, uh, uh, she invented GoPros and Jazzercise. <laughs> One of those is real. <laughs> We'll let you figure it out. <laughs> All right. So what's up next? That's the end of our series, folks. That is the end of the great series on Lane Staley. And uh, LD, you want to do some business before we close out here? Just to catch you guys up, our socials are, if you think that we are doing a really good job, you want to throw us some cash, totally cool. We'd love for you to do that. You can do that at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. Our Twitter is a it's a desert wasteland there, and I'm I think that what we'll do is maybe post on the anniversary of the last post, which I think was like April fourth of last year. Not sure, but uh, you can still head over there if you want. It's a futile exercise, but you can do that at Rock and Roll LT. You can check out our Instagram at Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Uh, our Facebook is Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. That's actually honestly where we play the most. So like if you're not on Facebook, you know you can catch us on Instagram or you know. TikTok, whatever. But uh, we have a lot of fun over on Facebook, and that's Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. I want to thank Thea for uh, contributing when she does. She's awesome. And uh, you can still check out our website at not saying the name. Had <laughs> <laughs> y'all. Take that. Ah. Uh, you can also <laughs> check us up on the Clock Act, the TikTok app, and that is at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. And you can email us at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. And please, guys, make sure that you check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. And uh, just so you guys know, uh, I do another show for the Pantheon Network, which is called Basic. Uh, Basic is awesome, and it's up for an award. I will post that information down Mm -hmm. there. So if you're interested, uh, hang on. Let Let me see where in life... We are on that show. Give me two seconds. Hang on. Is this just your attempt to be the Ryan Seacrest of podcasting and have like a million shows? Yes. 
Yes, that's my thing. Uh, so we just uh, we just released our episode with Giada De Laurentiis, uh, Mike Rowe, the voice of Daria, Tracy Grandstaff. Big shout out to her because she's awesome. We did Chelsea Handler, the co-creator of The Real World, John Murray. So we've, we've got a lot of awesome uh, interviews in the can. I can tell you that we have one that we're recording in January that I am beyond excited for. So when that releases, I will tell all of you guys, but they are up for an award and I'll post that on our Facebook page. So if you guys could head over there and vote for basic, it's a very easy thing. I don't think they're data mining. So, you know, there's that, but please guys go vote for basic because it's a really good show. And uh, everyone is awesome that works on it, including our editor, Zach. Mm. So thank you, Zach, for editing these all right. episodes. Good job, Zach. Yes. Yes. Uh, in something real quick. Um, I'd like to thank our uh, friends at the Yeah Uh-huh podcast. They uh, they were very complimentary of the Lane Staley series, and their their, their podcast is great. And they jump around and cover a lot yes. of different topics. All three of us have been guests and whatnot, but they uh, they gave a big shout out on the Lane Staley series, and their their show was terrific. So check them out. Yes, uh, please also do. I think I posted on our I think I posted on our Facebook page about the podcast I did. I wrote a true crime podcast, so you could go hear yeah. that. LD said it didn't suck, so that was yes. And it is uh, narrated by cousin Dave. So cousin Dave, sexy H- Dave, sexy Dave. Dave, the hunky David Jenkins. So, what's the name of the podcast? News and Reporter presents Manhunt Chester County. <laughs> the News and Reporter presents that was it, wasn't it? That I have no idea. It's your podcast, dude. <laughs> You know, I think it's the News and Reporter presents Manhunt Chester County. I believe that's it. It's on iHeart and DigiFriends and Wackadoo and Winky Wall and all the other popular. Are you naming platforms for a podcast or just podcasts. like rejected wow. elves? Winky One? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think it's just like, go look at our Facebook page. I think I posted a link there. Okay, hang on. I'm gonna find I out about it. Name. Hang it's on. Definitely on Wink. It's definitely on that though, on the Winky Wild. It is on our Facebook page. It's from November 23rd, so you'll have to scroll down past uh, Wilco Johnson's passing, and that is called the News and Reporter. That's the ampersand. The News and ampersand Reporter presents Manhunt Chester County, and it is on iHeartRadio. And I will actually share that again. Just he was the so, one on Game of Thrones, right? Yes. Yes, he was. I don't remember what he was on Game of Thrones, but like literally I remember the main was, cast and then Ed Sheeran. He was Ellen Payne. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was he was on Arius. Well, let me list. tell you. Nobody knows how to get out there and move product and sell the sizzle quite like me. It's it's true. It's what's the name of your podcast, Travis? I, I don't something about manhunts and I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's stunning. Stunning. All right, so that's about it for this episode. Please check us out next week when we are going to be having our December slap nuts. Slap nuts. Slap nuts. Yes, so uh, please make sure to check us out then. Then we do our. coming back for this one? He is not. He is not. He's not available? Okay, good. No. No, no, no. Uh, it's a she, and she's coming in hot. Oh. 
Oh my. Oh, oh my wow. is right. Oh so uh check that out. And then after that, we will have our uh look back at those that we've lost this year. Uh and we will begin after that. I think we'll have a, a new year, a new us. It'll be a series on the first composer that we've ever covered, which is Stephen Sondheim. So before all of my hard rockers check out, please note that he is an awesome composer who if you've ever watched him do anything, he does this with a wicked smile, and I'm pretty sure he's a sadist. So you guys might like him. Don't and know. It's going to set a nice tone for that draft, because if I'm looking back over the names, we've got some jazz in there. We've got composers. We've got country artists. It's, it's going to be an interesting year. Well, Stephen Sondheim is uh, from the last draft. We are a year behind, officially. Yeah, we just did our draft early. <laughs> that's all. We just we are, did our 2023 draft in 2021. It was all Holy failing. Yeah. And you know what's not going to be great is I chose Prince. I chose friggin' Prince. And so we our still 2024 have our, draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are not probably going to have a draft next year either. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you guys so much for checking this episode out. Please make sure to check us out next week when we do have our slap nuts and it'll be pretty fun. And then other than that, guys, uh, stay safe from Wham Hollow. We love you all. TJ, would you like to say anything to our audience? Bye, buddy. All right. I'm going to pass it back over to Will. But before I do, again, I'd like to say thank you and you guys be safe. Will? Thank you, LD. Thanks for walking with us on this one. Uh, Lane's Legacy is one that I personally had a great stake in preserving. This was my genre of music. And to those who love Lane, I hope we did him justice. And he is still with us in the music that he created. So I want to give a few thank yous to some material here. Uh, two books that were essential in putting this together. Alice in Chains, The Untold Story uh, by David DeSola was one of the main cornerstones of my research. Also, Lane Staley, Angry Chair, written by Adriana Rubio. Had a number of articles from not only Guitar World, but Drum Magazine and Rolling Stone and Vice as well. Had a few in there too. So thank you for providing us with some good material on Lane. He was a very tough subject to cover because, again, everything was kind of not about him. It was He was a side character in his own story, but he was a shining one nonetheless. So before we play our last song, which is actually going to be from the William Duvall era, I thought we'd close out by demonstrating the legacy Lane left. He has been gone now 20 years, but his band is still going. They still love him. And the music he created is still with us and transformed into something new. So... The final song we're going to play is All Secrets Known. This one comes from the Black Gives Way to Blue album in 2009. An appropriate name because obviously there were some dark times for Alice in Chains. And from that period of Lane's passing to 2009, they sort of reemerged as something else. And the last thing I want to leave you with is a quote from our good friend, the late Lane Staley. And this is a reminder for everybody. He said, whatever dramas are going on in my life, I always find that place in my head where I see myself as the cleanest, tallest, strongest, wisest person I can be. So thank you, Lane. Thank you, everybody. See you on the next one.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.